Welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively talks about India's space activities. The search for life outside of planet Earth has been a pursuit of many space agencies around the world for a long time. Only in the last 10 years or so, since the beginning of interplanetary missions by ISRO, India has got into the foray of experimenting and sending probes and has kicked off India's journey in into an exciting world of space science. In this episode of the New Space India podcast, I chat with Dr. Siddharth Pandey, who heads the Center for Excellence in Astrobiology at the Amity University in Mumbai on the current status of astrobiology and its development in India. Siddharth has a PhD from University of New South Wales in Australia before which he also studied in Europe as well as was a visiting researcher at the NASA Ames Center in the US post his PhD Siddharth moved back to India to start a center for excellence for astrobiology in Mumbai to facilitate collaboration between industry government and academia in space he's one of the most passionate people who i know in India who is contributing to the development of a space science ecosystem in the country Siddharth, uh, welcome to this episode of the New Space India podcast. Thanks a lot, Naran. Great being on this uh, podcast. Looking forward to the discussion. Thanks a lot for having me here. You know, I looked at uh, you know your background a little bit, and uh, you have done quite a lot in terms of uh, your experience as well as uh, you kind of bring also a global experience to this sector in India now, with uh, you having studied in uh, you know in Europe and Australia. uh having done your phd uh, on uh, a mars related project what was uh, your motivation to kind of come back to india uh, tell us a little bit about that when i reached out to look at different programs abroad i was initially a bit clueless as to where to start because there was so much happening all around so i started my journey in europe with a masters from tu delft and uh, it wasn't really planned as to where things would take me so it was a very organic interest driven path that i took and it led to me having experienced working as well as studying in three different continents outside of india and uh, while i was in australia doing my phd i could already see that the work that i was doing abroad would have in fact had a larger consequence if i had to recreate that in india specifically when we're talking about uh planetary science and astrobiology and the time seemed ripe for me to step back so i already had an inkling right before i had moved moved outside india that i would come back but i didn't know when that would happen would that be 10 years down the line or 15 years down the line that wasn't planned but when i was in australia i think i had the motivation to look at what is available already in terms of research that can be done that can be kind of continued upon and i reached out to people and uh, fortunately i was able to make uh, some good connections and uh, have a much more sustained program in place once i finished my phd i decided to rejoin my university where i had done my bachelor's in uh, amity university so they were very forthcoming when it came to uh, establishing a center for excellence in astrobiology and uh, it gave me the right platform uh, at a very young age to set up something that would be an interface between um university as well as industry and government which i think are the three main pillars when it comes to doing um you know aerospace or space 
science research it's it, it has to have the involvement of these three pillars and joining amity university gave an opportunity at a very young age to you know be at that kind of a position to lead the establishment of a of a new center when you talk about uh, astrobiology you know what does it mean uh, because i think most listeners may not know what exactly is astrobiology so it may be a a good uh, place to start to tell a brief overview about you know what is exactly astrobiology and why is it very important so astrobiology pertains with the study of the origin evolution and distribution of life on earth and uh, the search for it elsewhere in the solar system and outside our solar system that's the broad definition of astrobiology and it's one of the main scientific drivers why we invest in space exploration research uh, if you look at the uh, big space agencies or the initial space agencies such as nasa and uh, roscosmos european space agency um, one of their main pillars on which they base their space missions are uh, life protection missions because it's a fundamental question which excites and uh, you know uh, drives a lot of us who are in space to ask the question are we alone in this universe or not so the idea there is to build a network or a group of people or connect a group of people who are already in india who are in fact doing a lot of relevant work which pertains to astrobiology for example people who are doing prebiotic chemistry who are studying you know uh, what kind of chemistry preceded biology on earth there are people who are studying old ancient environments on earth so from an earth science perspective taking things one step ahead and looking at whether we can apply the same theories and logics to look for life elsewhere in the universe and my background is aerospace engineering turned space systems engineering and as an engineer i interface with astrobiologists and the field is so broad that you cannot just have like one narrow discipline of people in it you have members who are scientists engineers and even to the extent of theorists and philosophers who are part of this field who help answer and frame you know some of these questions when you talk about uh, astrobiology and you know these origins in uh, the works from uh, europe or us or uh, russia or so on space as i understand uh, you know in the community in india is either a lot of uh, theoretical work in astrophysics uh, uh, or astronomy uh, some practical observation using ground and space based telescopes in india and largely other space based uh, activities are mainly driven through uh, isro yes and given this uh, kind of legacy structure in place uh, you know before you began the center in uh, uh, astrobiology excellence what was the status in india and uh, was there any previous work done like you rightly said uh, you already identified the main scientific uh, drivers that existed and were invested upon Uh, by isro um there was some work that is still ongoing which was started by professor jain narlikar and uh, there's a group sitting in pune uh, which has been conducting balloon experiments we shauche and uh, people at isro and tifr hyderabad uh, they have been collaborating on getting balloons to the stratosphere and collecting samples from there and bringing them back and analyzing new uh, bacteria or are they similar to the ones we find uh, the main motivation to do that kind of a study is 
pertaining to a particular theory called panspermia, uh, which basically claims that life, in fact, came from outside of Earth and was deposited on Earth, you know, via meteorites as they struck Earth. And one of the theories is, is that if that were the case, then you might have some of this life in the form of, you know, microbes, which might, in fact, still be up high in the atmosphere, which have never really reached the surface of the Earth. So if you're finding this kind of life, it should, in fact, be very different because it hasn't been exposed to anything on the surface of the Earth. So that's that's a theory. And uh, this group has been working, I believe, since 2005. And they've been doing balloon experiments. I'm part of uh, the design team now for uh, the next version of that. And the idea is to, they've already, in fact, classified new kinds of bacteria. Now the next step is to do a DNA sequencing study and see, in fact, how different they are from terrestrial uh, bacteria or earthly bacteria. So that has been the only biological research that ISRO has conducted. So you're right in saying that this would, in fact, be the first study or the first uh, kind of research that we are embarking on at our center uh, that would be looking at some of these fundamental questions of life. And uh, now that ISRO has embarked on planetary missions, we had Mangalyaan, which flew to Mars, and it had a methane sensor on it. So in my mind, even though it hasn't been publicly spoken about uh, from ISRO's side, it was an astrobiology instrument because if you're looking for methane on the surface of Mars, the main driver for that is what is the source of this methane? And there have been methane studies done by other space agencies. Well, methane is a byproduct of respiration that life you know, has on Earth. You have all, all forms of um, you know, aerobic uh, bacteria as well that release methane into the air. So that, I think, in my mind was perhaps consciously or unconsciously from ISRO side, the first astrobiology instrument that was sent to Mars. But, you know, there will be more missions and we have the capability to reach these astrobiology targets, whether that is the clouds of Venus or it is, you know, the surface of Mars. There will be opportunities to do astrobiology science experiments. And uh, that is what makes this field uh, more relevant and exciting. And also to add that, there will be opportunities to do microgravity experiments now in low Earth orbit. Uh, we'll have uh, capabilities from the fourth stage of PSLV, the SSLV, as well as, uh, uh, you know, we are going to be doing experiments on the Gaganyaan vehicles. So several kinds of biological research campaigns can be done on these platforms where you can actually see the effect of space environment, that is the radiation, uh, cosmic or solar, or even the effect of reduced gravity on the uh, growth and uh, health of organisms that are placed in those environments. And those kind of organisms could range from bacteria, fungus, plant, you know, small animals, rodents, and uh, fruit flies. So all kinds of research are now possible because with ISRO, we have the technical capability of, you know, uh, reaching these environments and doing these kind of uh, experiments. You know, in a larger landscape, uh, do you think um, from your uh, perspective of, uh, you know, having been in the community of uh, space science for quite a long time now, do we have a very declared uh, space science roadmap in India? Or, you know, if you think uh, there isn't one, you know, how does that impact your work? 
So that's a very pertinent question that you've asked. To my knowledge, I haven't come across base science roadmap that has clear outlines as to what are the scientific objectives of all these missions that are being planned. And to me, it's a bit concerning. I'm really hoping that there is a document which is not yet publicly available that ISRO has and is you know, following or putting something together. Uh, the reason why we need this document, it does two things. One is it gives us a very clear picture as to what direction are we really heading in. When it comes to exploring the solar system, exploring low Earth orbit from a scientific perspective, there needs to be a clear outline, a logical sequence as to how are we approaching it. And to give examples, NASA, European Space Agency, you know, Japanese Aerospace Con uh, Exploration Agency, uh, they all have strong interfaces with scientific committees and they release regularly documents and reports which anybody can, you know, view and, uh, uh, you know, review and uh, perhaps even, uh, get an idea from and then go ahead and plan out their own individual uh, you know, projects. So this kind of a document is crucial for scientists within India who are in fact keen and willing to be part of uh, scientific missions, willing to be part of contributing towards the development of these missions. So it does two things. One is it gives us an idea of the direction in which ISRO is heading. And the other is it helps integrate the larger scientific community to work closely with this row. And so far, we've had announcements of meetings that have taken place after, after you know, planetary science missions or space science missions within ISRO. And uh, you might have reports of documents coming out of them. But what remains to be seen are stronger meetings of larger, wider groups preceding missions. So having scientists involved in the mission design and uh, the building of the actual spacecraft because ultimately it should be the science if it's a solely science driven mission there has to be the scientific input from the entire community that has been invited to be part of these discussions that goes into the development of the entire mission architecture from the spacecraft as well as selection of the orbit in which the spacecraft will be placed or the location where uh, the spacecraft has to be landed. So it's important to have clear discussions, open discussions, and invitations sent out to groups of scientists who can come in and join and be part of these discussions. For me, it kind of seems like uh, this is also the job of uh, you know the central government or government of India in that sense, because uh, ISRO's uh, mandate is kind of clear in that sense of uh, you know being able to produce satellites and fly them. But of course, uh, you know their uh, their core aspect may not be related to space science itself, although they are trying to do some of that. But uh, you know, given that you said that there are no real uh, establishments in the in the government or government-supported uh, in research institutes in astrobiology, does it make sense for uh, somebody like a Department of Science and Technology to pick up uh, astrobiology as a area that they should start funding and looking at? Uh, creating competencies in institutes that are already there, you know, within uh, uh, IITs or uh, IISC or, you know, ICERs or things like that. 
and you know that can lead to opening up of this uh, field in a larger uh, kaleidoscope yes i think you're right in saying that isro has a limited role to play when it comes to the actual the establishment and administration of this scientific you know community it has to be the role that is in fact governed directly by the government you do have department of science and technology department of biotechnology department of um, you know atomic energy several different departments which can play key roles but ultimately it has to be led uh, you know by a committee that has members from isro as well as members from the government that in fact help lay down the scientific goals or a roadmap a decadal plan to follow that is very important we need to have and it shouldn't just be for astrobiology it should have all components of space sciences you know involved in that whether it is space biology seeing the effects of space on human health uh, answering the questions about astrobiology planetary science in general uh, astro uh, astronomy all of these things have to be included in it and uh, isro by itself will not be able to host and because we have such a large community of scientists in india uh, it's very difficult logistically speaking for isro alone to to do this so there has to be a national committee that you know takes up the responsibility of laying down the scientific goals uh which isro has to follow and it shouldn't just be isro's responsibility it should be flanked with uh these other departments dst and dbt for example to help you know lay down these goals as well as organize workshops and meetings and come up with reports that are publicly available for all scientists to and, and educators and academicians to to read and download and you know join eventually down the line right when you talk about uh, you know astrobiological instruments and so on so i know that uh, some of the people in uh, at least the western world in europe or in even in australia perhaps uh, they conduct all these uh, analog missions on the ground and you know they do some specific studies in extreme environments or even maybe in antarctica and so on do you see a lot of potential in places within india to conduct such studies or you know what kind of places inside india will be very interesting for such studies so analog environments have been utilized by all the space agencies which are involved in you know astrobiology or surface missions in india we have some very important and uh, special sites that can in fact help develop the astrobiology science missions for example the most important one that comes to mind is in the himalayas we have the, the ladakh environment and the ladakh environment is in fact having several sites unique sites that are analogous to early mars when mars was a warm and wetter planet uh, the cold very high altitude ultraviolet radiation exposed soils sediments that we have in ladakh which have not been uh, which have had very little inter you know interference from humans so far at least uh give us exciting sites for us to study how that terrain has in fact evolved over time uh, with the interaction of the atmospheric uh, you know weathering processes and atmospheric processes as well as looking at the different microbes that live in those environments so for example i can list out there are hot springs that are present in ladakh 
uh, which are very high altitude hot springs where the water in fact boils at only 80 degrees celsius because the atmospheric pressure is so low it doesn't even need to reach you know 100 degrees to boil it boils at 80 degrees celsius uh, the atmospheric pressure at some of these places are 50 to 60 percent of what we have at sea level so and it has remained like that for hundreds and thousands of years and the life there the microbial life that lives there is exposed to this low oxygen environment to high ultraviolet radiation environment uh, some of it lives in very salty environments so they are direct analogs to the kind of life we are searching for on mars currently as well as what kind of life would have existed on the surface of mars where the atmospheric pressures would have been similar to what we have right now on earth billions of years ago but even then we have seen ancient or extinct hot springs on the surface of mars because mars as we know of today does not have an atmosphere to support liquid water on the surface but we do see the geological remains of what a hot spring would have you know uh, formed over time as water hot water would have been coming out on the surface of mars it would have formed and forged the entire surface around it the minerals that are formed there exciting sites there's permafrost which is permanently covered ice so in ladakh you have temperatures which are cold throughout the year and a lot of the ice in fact is buried below soil and never melts this is called permafrost and uh, we see permafrost on the surface of mars as well so what tends to happen is that this ice in fact has well preserved you know water that can have the proof of past uh, organisms that might have lived and are now the dead uh, you know uh, particles and the fossils of these organisms are in fact trapped in this water ice and we can look at the permafrost that we have seen in ladakh and study some of these sites so very well preserved environments uh, another environment that comes to mind is kutch which has in fact been explored by scientists from the physical research lab in ahmedabad um, they have in fact published as well on uh, regions of kutch in gujarat which have uh, minerals which are formed in very similar conditions and we have found these same conditions on Mars as well. Uh, they're called jarosite minerals. And you have, you know, Kutch being a vast salt expanse. You have regions where you have uh, small ponds that are formed seasonally. And you see water that is trapped and supports salt-loving bacteria, hypersaline bacteria within them. So another very exciting site for people who are studying uh, the salt expanses on the surface of Mars. And Kutch being one of the largest uh, continuous salt expanses on this planet is another very exciting site uh, to explore and lastly i would also like to point out uh, a crater on uh, uh, in, in lonar in uh, central india in maharashtra uh, which is in fact one of the only few basalt impact craters so basalt is a very hard form of rock and as we know our deccan plateau has a lot of basalt it's a volcanic uh, rock it's a very hard rock so it takes longer for it to weather out so on mars obviously because it does not have an atmosphere we see a lot of craters and the next rover is in fact landing inside a crater in jezero crater the 2020 mars rover and we only have three such analog sites here on earth and lonar is one of the only accessible ones the other ones one is in siberia russia in the middle of siberian forests and the other one is in south america both very hard to reach to but Lonar is accessible and more importantly, it has 
a drain of uh, the of a river of a spring that is flowing into it and the goal for the nasa mars rover is in fact to land at the edge of a similar delta a river delta that is that has deposited a lot of organics on the basin of the of the crater on mars so the rover that is in fact going there is an astrobiology rover it's actually landing on the surface inside the crater and studying some of the deposited organics because they believe that that is one of the best places where one can find the proof of life where water has been transported from kilometers away and is eventually deposited there on the toe of that delta on right the the edge between the basin of the crater and the the walls of that crater one of the best places to test some of these hypotheses and instruments is in fact in india in lonar crater where you have a similar kind of a basin and you have similar kind of deposits that have taken place so these are the three main areas which we have identified and we have been uh, studying ladakh since 2016 we've got research campaigns lined up for uh, for lonar and for kutch as well and uh, since you also touched on antarctic might i point out that we in fact have two indian stations in antarctica uh, one in maithri and the other one bharti station which is uh, in the larsman uh, hill region of antarctica and larsman hills in fact has a lot of uh, ice free regions so antarctica as you know we know has a lot of ice on it but larsman has a lot of regions which in fact are ice free throughout the year you don't have ice forming on it and one of the reasons for that is because of a lot of geothermal heating a lot of uh, warmth coming from underneath because of uh, radioactive material naturally occurring radioactive material that exists you know uh, in the uh, subsurface which releases enough heat to keep the surface at lastman hills at a temperature that prevents it from freezing and what does that give us that gives us access to rocks that have formed in very cold environments for a long duration of time they've been exposed to low temperatures and in fact have uh, bacteria as well as other kind of microorganisms that live in such cold temperatures as well as dry uh, air temperatures because it doesn't have a lot of rainfall so another direct analog for us to scope out we haven't had an astrobiology mission till now in that region and uh, we are very interested in putting together a proposal that would involve the astrobiology potential and the permafrost that is that is found in those regions as well in antarctica and uh, there has been of course a lot of work done in the american side where they have been studying these uh, permafrost as well as uh, dry and cold regions of antarctica from an analog perspective so that should sum up all the different sites that we have in india and these are natural laboratories for our scientists to collect samples as well as test some of these instruments that would in fact be flown to uh, to mars or uh, other bodies for uh, astrobiology purposes that's a very excellent uh, you know overview i think you almost uh, made a chapter of a book in a five minute explanation <laughs> i'm sorry i was a bit uh, too long but i thought it was necessary to you know give it off in one sense <laughs> no no absolutely i think it saves uh, people a lot of time especially you know given that uh, you made it very 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 clear um, yeah an interesting question there you know is uh, given that you are also leading an independent research team uh, 
how accessible is it? Uh, you know, you talked about space-based uh, astrobiology. You talked about ground-based. You talked about in Antarctica. So many of these things, and a lot of these, of course, need the sanction of the government, or you know, because these are places uh, that may be remote or uh, under control of uh, you know uh, people there, and so on. So you will need to have access to all of these, right? Be it space mm-hmm. or be it uh, on the ground. Uh, so, do you see any challenges there for you as an independent research team? Uh, how do you solve this? So, the important thing is to first identify which are the organizations that have the administration control of these regions. So, it's different for all of these. Being one of the most sensitive, since it's uh, it comes under a special region because it is close to you know the international borders with China and Pakistan. Uh, so the amount of clearances that are needed are, I think, the highest when it comes to doing scientific research. So I can give you an example of uh, our previous expedition that was conducted in 2016. In fact, it was an international expedition. So we needed even more came in from uh, the Ministry of External Affairs and Home Affairs, uh, which is normally needed whenever you're doing a scientific workshop in India and you're inviting foreign dignitaries to come in. Um, but even for you know a private researcher or private university uh, researcher such as myself and an Indian national, um, uh, the the key is to collaborate with an organization uh, that works closely with these uh, authorities. For example, we uh, partnered with Birbal Sani Institute of Paleo Sciences, uh, which comes under the Department of Science and Technology, and uh, they regularly conduct fieldwork in these regions. So. The main organizations that uh, one has to uh, reach out and get permits from are mainly the wildlife authorities. For example, in Ladakh, the regions that we went to, they were part of national park systems. So we had to get permissions from the warden uh, officer of that region. Uh, there's also the National Biodiversity Authority, NBA, uh, which basically regulates the collection of samples and ensures that you know whether the samples are being used for scientific purposes uh, and if they have to be used for any commercial then it gets even more complicated but for us we are mainly concerned with the science so it's important for us to get uh, you know no objection certificates from all of these different authorities mainly you know uh, the department of uh, forest agriculture sometimes uh, wildlife authorities and uh, when it comes to involving any collaborations that are taking place uh, clearances from uh, new delhi through the uh, ministry of home affairs and external affairs so that's primarily what it is for Ladakh. Uh, Kutch, we haven't done an expedition yet, but uh, from experience, whatever I've heard, it's similar. Cent- uh, you know, state government and central government authorities. And normally, what tends to happen uh, is that you work with uh, the local, you collaborate and work closely with the group there, anyways, because they have uh, the expertise of that region and they have all the right knowledge and as to who has to be contacted. And it's always better to do it or have them, you know collaborate with you and and do it with them. As far as Antarctica is concerned, um, every year there is is, um, a team of scientists that embarks on expeditions. And that is primarily controlled by the National Center of Polar and Ocean Research in Goa, in CPOR Goa, which comes under the Ministry of Earth Sciences. So in that case, it's mainly them who uh, you apply to. And then if you get selected, you join the team. Uh, help you out with all the clearances that have to be taken and Antarctica has uh, two kinds of regions Uh, one is a specially managed area and a specially protected area 
So based on where you're where, where one is doing all the field work, uh, those are the clearances that have to be taken. So you're right, it takes almost a year and you know at least about six months to plan all of these out and uh, get all these clearances in advance. An interesting question, sir. Given that uh, there may be a lot of beginners, uh, you know, uh, people who want to get into this field and are excited about it, how does that? How does one, you know, get into astrobiology? What are the kind of basics uh, somebody needs to really focus on uh, gathering knowledge on and uh, to shape a career forward? So I think it's important to have uh, the fundamentals strong. So as to biology as a field uh, is something that one can get involved in as as a research project even during their uh, you know high school for that matter or undergraduate as a summer internship or a, a minor project or a final year project uh, the key is to uh, read up in today's day and age there's so much of information that is available um, we are in fact in the process of setting up our website and we will be listing out some of the freely available reading material at you know first starting point for for students uh, the general thing that people do is they do their uh, science or engineering in a particular field of their choice it could be geology it could be biology chemistry or even engineering and then for their specializations for their masters and then the phd uh, one can then seek out uh, groups that are involved in astrobiology projects by going through their websites studying uh, what all work are they doing and then reaching out to the people and then enrolling in those programs and that's normally how it's done you have a master's program that you enroll in and then uh, doing your final master's project and then your phd project and uh, with your permission np i'd also like to plug in my astrobiology workshop uh, later next month um, i'll be sharing the details soon on the new space india community we are actually planning an introduction to astrobiology workshop which is targeted towards students who are in their uh, undergraduate or even postgraduate and are interested and want to know more about astrobiology uh, so events such as these uh, would be which which are you know normally conducted outside of india but we are trying to kickstart and do some of these kind of events in india itself uh, that can be followed excellent and um, one of the interesting areas is of course you know in the recent past we have seen uh, citizen science park uh, the discovery of uh, the Vikram uh, lander crash site on the moon. Mm -hmm. What is, uh, you know, possibilities for uh, citizen scientists to get involved in uh, astrobiology? And if there is any, you know, what are the possible arenas that they can contribute to? So uh, good question. It helps me, allowed me to plug me another thing. So we are, in fact, in Amity planning to start a space citizen network. And the purpose there is to allow people who could be students they could be professionals they could be just regular people who want to be part of astrobiology projects to join up for it there will be a mailing list and uh, have their own local meetings at their own cities wherever they are and uh, get themselves connected with a research group that is you know undertaking this work so for example i can give you our university's uh, uh, plans for astrobiology uh, we have plans for uh, having uh, astrobiology expedition to Ladakh in 2020, uh, somewhere around uh, August, July and August, as well as an expedition to Lonar Crater in, uh, in November. So for students, uh, I think the first thing would be that as soon as our websites are online, we'll be publishing them. Um, they can in fact reach out to the scientists who are listed there as researchers individually, and uh, you know tell them that, hey, we are 
studying such and such field we are interested to be part of this project and uh, we in fact would be putting out small projects which people can in fact undertake uh, at their own homes so for example uh, something very simple such as uh, setting up small marbles or marble uh, rocks in fact small slabs uh, at home and just studying how you have the growth of microbial colonies that grow under it so one of the things that we are planning to do is distribute or you know have these marbles and give them to people all around india and they could plant these in their own backyard in their own backyard in their own gardens in different kinds of soils and uh, the key is then to have them monitor these and report to us and tell us how exactly is the microbial colony in that soil growing and attaching itself to the rock because one very important thing for us that we study is how does how do microbial colonies attach themselves to rock and under what conditions they are able to do this best what kind of soils are they able to do this best so that's one example um, we have also got a space experiment that is uh, completely student designed that we have in fact developed in the last 2 3 months itself and uh, we've got an opportunity to fly uh, on the next pslv uh, rocket to send up a small plant growth experiment and uh, similar experiments can in fact be designed and developed by the uh, the citizen scientists and uh, you know under the guidance of a of a researcher and uh, there could be a crowd sharing uh, funding campaign where people pool in money together and uh, you know send it up as a as an isro payload secondary payload so there are several things that uh, can be lined up and uh, we are in the process of setting things up so as soon as we have more concrete projects for citizen scientists uh, you know these are the ways in which they could be involved another thing that comes to my mind is uh, having people involved in uh, identifying asteroids i mean these are some things that are regularly done in the us where people look at asteroids people even study the uh, data that is being beamed back uh, you know by different satellites as well as spacecraft that are looking at uh, uh, exoplanets for example the data that is coming back from them so small modules of those as well can be built where citizens or people just regular people sitting at home can uh, learn the image processing tools and uh, start identifying and hunting down you know specific targets uh, that are given to them so all of the these are the different kind of activities that uh, uh, you know citizen scientists can get involved from an astrobiology perspective excellent please send me the links to all of these uh, you know efforts by you i'm happy to include them uh, inside the episode description and also you know distribute it uh, through the blog and the community as well mm-hmm. um one of the uh, aspects that i also wanted to discuss with you is uh, you know you talked a lot about uh, different aspects of astrobiology and so on so does it uh, make sense or is there any ongoing effort to independently charter a roadmap for astrobiology in india where you know researchers like you and a few others who you are working with can uh, kind of draw an independent roadmap and uh, you know highlight what are the what is the potential and uh, what can be done over a 10 or a 15 20 year timeline is there anything like that ongoing yes uh, there is so last year in april uh, and we've had two meetings already uh, we've convened in lucknow a group of astrobiologists or relevant scientists who are 
you know, doing astrobiology on their site. We've convened two meetings. One was in uh, Lucknow in April, and we had the other one in October in uh, Pune. And uh, one of the main outcomes that came out of those meetings was to register ourselves as a society. And that allows us to have a formal you know, face with which we can then uh, approach government organizations such as ISRO and Department of Science and Technology. So I can already tell you that that is in, uh, you know, in process. We have got a name for the society. It's called the Society of Astrobiology Education and Research, SABER, S-A-B-E-R. So SABER is now going to be registered uh, most likely out of Maharashtra So because some of our members are mainly around from Mumbai and Pune and Goa region. So within the next month or so, uh, we are hoping to have the society registration in place. And uh, the idea there would be to uh, have more and more scientists around India to you know, sign up for it. And uh, one of the main goals for that is exactly what you just said, having a roadmap ahead of us and uh, setting out clear objectives uh, with which we would like to approach ISRO and uh, have an astrobiology focused uh, exploration roadmap that would then integrate itself within the planned missions uh, you know from uh, mars to venus um, as well as uh, you know even even beyond as we look at uh, exoplanets so so that is the plan right now and uh, fortunately there is uh, momentum uh, where we have got about 12 or so scientists already from different institutions across india that are part of it and uh, the community is growing so, so that's that's the update on that yeah definitely good luck to you on that uh, when you try to conduct such uh, experiments and you, you try to build such a community especially you know having uh, uh, not really a big participation in government sources in funding as well as uh, in handholding all of this uh, one of the challenges, of course, is to raise money to do such experiments, especially because there's not really a commercial uh, you know, perspective to this, that people can just invest and then expect a return or something like that, right? So uh, how do you manage uh, funding cycles? Is there any philanthropy around uh, space science uh, and astrobiology in India? Um, you know, what is the future for that? So it's a very important question, uh, NP. Uh, funding has to be looked at uh, from a section to section perspective. So there's obviously no um, category within the existing uh, opportunities, you know, from DSD, DBT for specifically for astrobiology. So one way that we look at it is we have scientists who target overlapping fields, for example, prebiotic chemistry or extreme environment microbiology. You know, these are all very important elements of astrobiology, but still come under earth sciences as well because they have earth science applications. So one of the ways is that they apply for funds within them. ISRO has a respond program and it also has a SNAP program, uh, Space National Academic Partner. So we applied for those uh, from Amity as well. So those are still under process. They are being considered um, outside of the government from an event to event perspective. Uh, in the past, we have been successful in raising money from uh, industry. We, in fact, were sponsored by Tata Motors for our expeditions. They had provided us vehicles. Uh, so they had given us in-kind support, uh, media coverage. They had a team that was documenting us, as well as uh, some financial support that went into supporting the scientists to participate in the expedition. 
So the key area there is uh, every time we have a field expedition, we seek out sponsorship uh, proposals from uh, you know relevant organizations that would want to place their product as well as partner with us on you know uh, the operations of that particular expedition. So in the past, it has mainly been uh, automobile uh, sector where you have you know the need for vehicles as well as uh, travel companies. So National Geographic Traveler India, in fact. Uh, sponsored us we also got some sponsorship from an instrument company in the past so that's how it's been like in small pockets so far but the longer run and this is something that i am now looking at at amity and especially being in mumbai uh, the financial capital of the country is seeing ways in which we can in fact involve the philanthropy houses as well as some of these charitable trusts and uh, really breaking it to the people so one thing that we're doing at amity is uh, we are starting a certificate course. Uh, it's called Space for Everyone. It's going to be a 10-week course that will be run over the weekend. Uh, idea is to engage uh, people from different sectors uh, and have them be part of, firstly, you know, do a short, interesting or exciting uh, space awareness kind of a exchange with them uh, by doing lectures and hands-on activities. And then once that course is completed, uh, they can all join uh, the network and you know uh, many of them who are sympathetic towards space exploration and see the relevance and importance of this field uh, the idea is to have them be part of these uh, expeditions or flight experiments that are planned or you know even the purchase of a particular analytical instrument that has to be placed so so that is what we're really seeking out towards because astrobiology is not just something that belongs or has relevance to scientists and engineers it's something that's relevant to us as you know humans it's these are questions that we're trying to answer for everyone not just for ourselves for our own scientific excitement so uh, the purpose there is to build that bridge and engage the uh, you know these larger corporate organizations and uh, philanthropy houses and we see some of that already uh, in a lot of different uh, you know uh, talks and uh, conclaves some of the discussions in fact do revolve around universe and cosmology and some of these things uh, but many times we don't really find very relevant speakers at these events so we are trying to have more such interactions have a little more engagement with communities outside of the academic and research domain and see how much of it you know chimes with them what kind of involvement would they like to have in this so that's that's an area of work that we are still uh, trying to figure out how do we get into and hopefully with this certificate course uh, we'll see some traction and find a little more uh, footing uh, within the philanthropy community excellent i mean uh, this is really comprehensive work and uh, i definitely need to congratulate you to doing uh, so many different things the uh, the other aspect which was i thought was very key that uh, i also wanted to get a perspective from you is uh, the involvement of uh, the media and the journalistic uh, community because uh, you know when you see a lot of uh, press here in uh, europe or uh, even us or even you know maybe in your time in australia as well you would have uh, seen maybe a lot of efforts from uh, the media to create a outreach to the larger public in terms of communicating what is uh, really important in science for the whole entire you know community as a whole um, do you see any active involvement of uh, 
Indian uh, journalism in uh, creating such outreach for astrobiology? If yes, who is uh, doing it? If no, you know, how could we improve? So definitely, I think uh, since we've had uh, you know the flurry of activities with Chandrayaan two when it was launched, and you know when it was about to enter lunar orbit, uh, there had been live coverage of these events. Uh, now Gaganyaan is coming up, so some of the main mainstream news channels have in fact been keenly following and broadcasting some of these missions and having some live discussions, live panel discussions. In fact, I remember you and I have been part of one of, one of these discussions as well. So it's really exciting to see uh, some of the journalists stepping out. But I think we need to go one step further ahead. Uh, we recently had the annular solar eclipse that took place. And it was, in fact, uh, you know, also quite well covered. It happened in the morning. And uh, we, in fact, in Mumbai got a chance to do a chartered uh, joyride fly, uh, flight where we actually flew and took some images uh, above the clouds because we had an overcast day that day in Mumbai and the only pockets could see the actual solar eclipse. So uh, it's important for uh, journalists to do a lot more, not just cover events, but in fact have detailed uh, you know, discussions and uh, panel discussions as well as invite you know, public members to their studios and have a lot more discourses and uh, you know it's it's i think the time is right for us to understand what does the average indian want from space apart from the socio-economic needs that are answered what are some of the questions that as indians we want to answer when we go to space when we are going to the moon when we're going to mars and we have i think sufficient amount of awareness and consciousness within our country to have these kind of discussions and uh, I really seek out to media groups as well as journalists and scientists who come together or, you know, in their own individual capacity, support some of these discussions. Um, it's, it's important for the journalists to not just document, but also analyze and critique every single, you know, mission or project that is being taken up. And not just, you know, for a negative reason, but for a constructive reason and involve the taxpayer, the person who is paying for these missions to, to be part of these discussions. And it has to be a two way discussion where uh, we, we try to understand what is it really that we as Indians would like to see happen in space? What are the main questions we would like to see answered? So it's really important for that to take place. Yeah, you're de definitely right on that front. India is, uh, you know, has two strong pillars in industries uh, you know over the last 20 years which is uh, one is in um, biotechnology and others in uh, pharmaceutical research so uh, both of them are quite strong and uh, you know in that sense you have a very strong mix of fundamental biology and uh, chemistry being uh, leveraged by uh, industry to provide solutions and services do you see a role for companies like you know biocon or uh, leading pharmaceutical research labs in uh, astrobiology and uh, you know how could they be integrated into this uh, roadmap so for a company they would definitely first like to see the return on investment uh, and understand what is it that they're putting in and what are they getting out of it um, if you take the example of the us you do have uh, pharma uh, you know and other uh, biotechnology companies uh, that in fact have been uh, flying experiments uh, to the international space station so those are primarily to understand what does microgravity really do for uh, 
the uh, crystallization or synthesis of their particular drugs or their chemicals and uh, the reduced gravity environment gives them that unique opportunity so similarly um, i think like you rightly mentioned there are companies such as biocon and other biotechnology and pharma companies um, which in fact would be conducting research in this microgravity environment for the development of their products whether that they could be chemicals or drugs that are being manufactured in india and developed and manufactured in india so those are the most immediate i think opportunities that i see for uh, for this uh, sector to step in and you know exploit the uh, microgravity environment uh, of indian soil on an indian platform microgravity platform uh, down the line of course uh, detection of uh, biosignatures is something that might be relevant from a fundamental research perspective but uh, might not be relevant directly from a commercial perspective for, for these companies but having said that uh, there's also a very uh, large opportunity for uh, marketing in fact in the us you have a lot of companies which end up sending up their products exposing them to space environment and uh, generating a lot of public interest uh, in terms of the fact that they have in fact been part of a space mission so you know it might sound trivial but the amount of money that is in fact exchanged for uh, companies who are investing in uh, in products uh, simply for the marketing uh, of them is in fact significant so that might in fact also play in in some ways to support uh, some of the missions that are being sent to the moon or in fact to mars as well where a company is in fact proudly claiming that uh, its instrument or its sensor is in fact you know uh, looking for life on another planet and is taking part in these high state of art uh, expeditions and missions so so these are some of the main uh, initial thoughts that i have on these do you see a role for uh, citizen uh, funded uh, crowdfunding uh, initiatives in astrobiology because uh, i see a phenomena also occurring now in the us uh, where uh, you know given the, there may be institutions or governments or even maybe large philanthropists who may not support or may not be able to or people may not be able to gather such uh, momentum they are you know trying to resort to uh, crowdfunding and uh, having uh, you know normal people just contribute bits and pieces and uh, almost doing a kickstarter kind of missions uh, for for science uh, do you see a future in that as well so it already depends on how much money one is planning to raise via crowdfunding and citizen scientists uh, for a for a mission that goes beyond low earth orbit i think what is first important is the responsibility on us to you know create a roadmap a logical frame of activities and uh, that is the first step and secondly effectively present that to the public for the public to see what exactly is it that their money is going into what is it in fact doing what is it leading to and uh, eventually what is it that comes out of it that you know excites them so these are the three main things that need to be worked out first before we can see a uh, citizen scientists or a crowdfunded publicly crowdfunded uh, campaign to send anything into space uh, if you take the example of the planetary society which recently funded the star sail uh, uh, you know the project it took them a lot of time effort and uh, years in fact to do that and planetary society does that really well they actually spend a lot of money in doing that um, so that could be a good model to follow but more importantly it is uh, important to have it is essential to have 
that plan in place as to what is it that we're doing and uh, keeping it very clear as to how is it that it will benefit us as a community as as a you know as a nation as we are moving forward that has to be done first and once that is in place and one has a ready outreach plan that is effectively enabled and people are aware of it it's only then when we can actually see uh, this kind of a campaign kick off now where do you see the whole uh, astrobiology community in the next uh, 5 10 or 15 years down the line and uh, what will be uh, you know our india's own unique contributions in this sector uh, in the future i personally would like to see uh, isro concentrating more on uh, the larger missions uh, the planetary science and uh, you know building infrastructure in space kind of missions and uh, i would like to see the private sector in india maturing itself and supporting some of the more commercial uh, missions that would happen in low earth orbit and that would ease off isro to then participate in uh, larger and further missions away from earth that's that's the goal with which i think we should all be moving forward and uh, supporting isro in doing that and as far as astrobiology is concerned i would like to see a healthy active scientific society that every year meets regularly uh, conducts uh, scientific experiments in the labs in the field doing simulations exchanging knowledge um astrobiology is one of those unique fields that involves people to you know from cross disciplines to talk to each other so it's it's actually an opportunity astrobiology is actually an opportunity that allows scientists who are from different domains to get together and talk to each other which is something which is very important and much needed in india so it's one of those fields that actually puts scientists in a very uncomfortable spot for hours or so but once they get comfortable with each other uh, they actually can do wonders and we actually need that in india we need a lot of interdisciplinary you know scientific work to take place for our projects to materialize and uh, you know for us to do some high quality research to move forward so in the next few years i would say for the next 10 years i think the task is to build that astrobiology community and uh, come up with experiments and uh, have support from defense and aerospace manufacturing companies in india to build instruments that can then be flown to venus and perhaps even further on once we have the capability the propulsion capability uh, to in fact fly to the moons of jupiter and uh, in, in and saturn europa and enceladus which are in fact the next probable sites where life could in fact be found under the icy crusts so i think these are some of the steps that uh, we need to really work upon in the next 10 years great uh, thank you very much uh, sadat for being a part of the show i think uh, this was one of the most uh, insightful uh, episodes i have recorded and uh, there was so much uh, knowledge and uh, you know so so many insights packed into this uh, one hour of conversation i really enjoyed uh, talking to you <laughs> thanks a lot np i think uh, i've uh... i'm really humbled uh, by the fact that i was chosen given the fact that you know you started off with uh, wing commander rakesh sharma it's uh, such an honor to talk uh, and uh, be able to communicate and through this medium i'd also like to reach out and uh, seek interest from the larger scientific community and people who are interested in astrobiology uh, to you know join hands and and move forward thank you for staying until the end If you have any comments or suggestions please write to curator@newspaceindia.com 
please consider sharing this episode with any friends or family who may be interested in learning about India's space activities. If you would like to stay in touch with the New Space India community, please use the link in the description to join the New Space India Telegram group. Feel free to also suggest guests for any future episodes. A new episode of the New Space India podcast is released every other Friday. Do subscribe to the podcast using Apple, Google or any other podcasting platforms you may use. Until the next episode, thank you.